today on Ag News Daily. We were about one big rain away from being right there again, but it wasn't it wasn't as bad as 19 uh, by any means. But as this kind of dragged on now, I, I'm probably going to have about the same acres that I don't plant now as I did then. So. Good uh, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Agnes Daily Podcast. Delaney Hall joined today by Tanner Winterhoff. Tanner, I'm a little thrown off today. It's a Tuesday. We had a three-day weekend, no markets this week, and we're recording in the morning again. So I'm all sorts of mixed up. Yeah, I can tell. Well, thank you. How nice. <laughs> I figured just to throw you off even more, I would be extremely brief in my response. Yes, I noticed that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. No, not a problem. Did you have a good three-day weekend? I did. We did. We went boating. We went golfing, ate some good food. Nothing better you could ask for. What about you? I spent a lot of time with family and neighbors. Did a couple of landscaping projects around the neighborhood. Um, But certainly got, it was good to catch up. Finally had some nice weather to see everybody outside and about. Still plenty windy, but uh, it was a good weekend all in all. But uh, I tell you what, Weather seems to be on the top of headlines for this morning, everywhere across the country from flood warnings in uh, Texas and Oklahoma to continued really dry conditions in New Mexico. We had a couple of small tornadoes go through Northwest Iowa and parts of Minnesota. Uh, So it just seems like, again, we're seeing more of these severe weather outbreaks. Um, One of the DTN, Riders Chris Clayton took a trip down to the Rio Grande with hopes of seeing really beautiful farm ground down there in the valley and come to find out that they are still extremely dry. Uh, Their irrigation channels are running dry. They will get a limited inflow of water here coming in the next week or so, according to this article. Um, But it'll be uh, very highly regulated, as we've been reporting on here, that there's just a very dry spell hitting that California, New Mexico, parts of Arizona area that's making these drought conditions really severe and irrigating hard to navigate. Yeah. And speaking of that New Mexico area, Tanner, that's very famous for hatch green chilies. And that is apparently affecting a lot of those producers as well. I believe those chilies go into things like salsa and other uh, Mexican dishes. And obviously, with water lacking in those areas, there's question marks as to how much they will grow in that area. But of course, the other question as we turn our attention here to the Midwest and Northern Plains is what's going to go into the field? And we're going to chat with a farmer here coming up about his planting decisions and planting struggles. But Later this afternoon, Tanner, we will get out the planting progress report and North Dakota, South Dakota and Minnesota are going to be the three big states that we're going to watch very closely, especially North Dakota, which is only 20 percent planted for those corn acres and has passed that insurance final plant date deadline. Of course, we know we reported last week that Congress has asked to have that extended, but today could be a very telling report. Yeah, it could. And uh, it'll be interesting to report on that tomorrow to see what types of effects that have on markets. As we wrap up our conversation this morning, we'll let you know how markets are opening this morning. Uh, But certainly also eyes are going to be on the safrina crop, corn crop in central Brazil. Time's almost up for us to be wondering as harvest starts. So harvest production 
about 1.24% of that crop has started to be harvested here as this last week of May hits. Uh, so progress will continue to see how extensively their dry season has affected their crops to see what type of impact that's going to have. Could it be a complete turnaround from the first crop character that was characterized as too wet? Will we see better production? Uh, so far, Delaney, all we've had is predictions, but now we're actually going to get figures as this crop starts to get harvested. And another area that's watching weather very closely is India, Tanner, one of the world's largest agricultural producers. Their monsoon season actually started two days early this year, which delivers about 70% of the country's rainfall. And like I said, it started two days earlier this monsoon season than usual. And agriculture slash farming accounts for a really large percentage of Indian income. And of course, they also have one of the largest populations to feed, but farming itself contributes to about 15% of India's almost $3 trillion economy and feeds more than half of their population. So of course, wheat is a primary crop that is grown in India, and there's been a lot of question marks as to how that crop is going to progress. So positive news today that they are seeing monsoon season start a little early, Tanner. That is another, seems like a lot of weather related. You know, it's kind of how we led the conversation off, but another tie to a positive side on the weather that we've been experiencing is the final, the finally seen slowdown to the bird flu. So uh, as we see here, we were headed on the track to have the worst outbreak of bird flu. Historically, now it's just the worst in the last seven years. So uh, as of to date, nearly 38 million birds in domestic flocks have been have died or been euthanized, uh, obviously due to the avian influenza. But May is the smallest month for losses, the shortest numbers posted. And a lot of that can be uh, contributed to the warmer conditions, drier conditions in some of these areas, but ultimately the heat coming together. So Secretary Tom Vilsack has transferred an additional $400 million to the USDA responsible for protecting the animal health side of things on Friday. That is nearly doubled now to 800 million as it's available to help producers fight this for covering indemnifications and in, of commercial flocks. So continuing to stay on alert, but positive news there, Delaney, that this the birds infected are starting to slow down, which as we talked to the grower earlier on our podcast that he expected as it got warmer and we got into the summer season that we would see this slowdown happen. I saw that piece of news as well, Tanner. And in other protein-related news, this came out late Friday afternoon after we recorded the podcast, so didn't get a chance to share it, obviously. But JBS has reached a settlement with OSHA to develop, implement, and implement infectious disease preparedness at seven meat processing facilities. Four JBS Foods subsidiaries and affiliates have agreed to assemble a team of company and third-party experts to develop and implement an infectious disease preparedness plan for seven of their facilities, including their Greeley, Colorado, Beardstown, Illinois, Grand Island, Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska, Souderton, Pennsylvania, Cactus, Texas, and Green Bay, Wisconsin facilities, which are some of their largest facilities, Tanner. They're saying that after COVID-19, they obviously were not fairly prepared and they have been 
sitting down with OSHA following two inspections that happened in April and May of 2020, where OSHA cited that Swift Beef Colorado, the Colorado facility in JBS Green Bay, uh, failed to protect their workers from coronavirus hazards. So, of course, we saw lots of facilities shut down, JBS facilities in particular, and now it sounds like they have a plan of attack to avoid this in the future. And this also comes, of course, Tanner, as we're watching Congress continue to investigate how beef and protein facilities handled the coronavirus pandemic. Yes, that uh, it's nice to see that there's a settlement done ahead of time, but we may always make you curious when a settlement has been achieved, what the actual indemnifications were uh, in order to keep that from going to a public hearing. So uh, good news on that side of it for those on the winning side of the settlement. However, even better news also related to meatpacking is the city of Amarillo has approved the new incentive packages for the producer-owned packing plant. So as you saw in headlines, Beef LLC has chosen Amarillo, Texas as the location for their new farmer-owned, producer-owned packing plant. So they've identified 1,100 acres near I-40 as a site for their new facility. The site has not yet uh, been excavated on as they were waiting for information back from the city, but they are looking at a $650 million project, which should employ around 1,600 workers, and their target is to be operational by 2025. So here is the uh, little jab at the large meatpacking facilities for this producer-owned, almost like a co-op, if you would say, but the first step of getting uh, the city council to approve incentives for this packing plant to hit outside of Amarillo has been checked off. So a good first move for getting this project on the road. Absolutely, Tanner. And speaking of moving forward, U.S. President Joe Biden will meet with Fed Chair Jerome Powell today as we continue to watch historic inflation rise and drain Americans' pocketbooks. This is the first meeting since Powell's confirmation for a second term by the Senate. And this comes as, of course, Biden has sought to lower the cost for gasoline, food, and consumer goods as we're seeing inflation hit 40-year highs. But Biden said that he's going to reiterate the Fed's independence to them, but also uh, it sounds like maybe step in and intervene and see what options we have to continue to control inflation. And of course, analysts, Tanner, are saying it's far too late. This should have been done to rise or to increase interest rates. I'm sure you as a banker have your own opinions on this as well, but a lot of folks are saying it's too late to be able to really control this thing and uh, cut it off at its head. Yeah, a lot of articles and a lot of news stories this weekend about how people maybe scaled back their Memorial Day plans, but still a lot of people were at the pumps paying the high prices for gasoline. A lot of people were still paying the high prices at the grocery store to have their barbecues and picnics it it seemed like uh there is an acceptance and once people are okay with it and fine with it, it it's a lot harder to get them to change so i agree i think things could have been done a lot sooner without uh having such a big impact but here i thought i had two more headlines and as i dove deeper into the articles 
really not a lot of tie. There was a chemical plant in Omaha that caught fire and went ablaze this last weekend, Knox Creek. Turns out, Delaney, they just make bonding agents for concrete. So minor tie to agriculture on that side of things. Uh, could see a little bit of a supply chain disruption locally for those looking to put up new facilities that need concrete. Uh, and then a quick headline on fertilizer reports that prices fell 30% on nitrogen. But that, again, has very little impact on most of our producers unless they're looking to side dress their crops. So that's all that I have for news today. I don't think I have any other news today, Tanner, aside from where the markets are trading this morning. We are certainly seeing a bloodbath in the wheat markets, partially due to the announcement, of course, last week that Russia would be opening Ukrainian ports, but also reacting to some of this Indian weather news as there was a big question mark about what kind of monsoon season India would have. Wheat's down about 40 cents across the board, 30 to 40 cents. Corn's down about seven and a half cents in new crop and soybeans. New crop is actually higher today. The other big uh, market to watch today, Tanner, is crude oil. It's picked up another $3.50 per barrel this morning and is rallying or trying to rally to new contract highs as we approach the early March spike, which topped out about $130 per barrel. That one on the web. That $130 or the $130 mark is uh, definitely a psychological barrier. And if we break through that, all bets are off, Tanner, as far as how high this thing could go. Yeah, I would be, uh, it'd be fun for me because of my baseline understanding of the markets to see how it all plays out. Um, Could get wild, could be in for a bumpy ride. We certainly could, Tanner, but I tell you what, one person that is certainly in for a bumpy rider group of people are farmers up north, and that is the precipice of today's conversation. Let's turn it over to our conversation with Lanny. Well, folks, as we mentioned and we're teasing earlier in the podcast, we are chatting today with South Dakota farmer, Lanny Melky, who farms just south of Aberdeen, South Dakota. And Lanny, as I understand it, you are rained out today. Yep, we got rain over the weekend, uh, both uh, Sunday and, and Monday. So Lanny, obviously we continue to talk about insurance dates, prevent plant dates, and also just the difficult time that especially North and South Dakota farmers are having getting this year's crop planted. What has your experience been like so far this year? Well, I live right on the line of, of course, South Dakota is the tale of of two seasons here or or, or two water coming too much or too little. I'm right on the line. I farm right on the Jim River uh, or I live on the Jim River and I, I farm from east to west about oh, 15 miles wide. And my ground to the west, not a problem. There's no water standing. We were able to plant, you know, not when we wanted to, but a couple weeks later than normal. And then as you go east, it just got wetter and wetter. And uh, so we've been able to get some, but better than some. I mean, if you live east of me, there's guys that have struggled all spring. We were actually able to farm some of ours, you know, fairly normal a little later than normal just because of the cold and the and the dampness that that did stick around there through the april and the first part of may 
So I am better than some, but I am right on the line. So I get to see both sides of it. So uh, it's it's been, and, and we've been through this before. I don't know. I, I grew up in right here in South Dakota, right where I farm. And as a kid, it it had just never rained and <laughs> nothing like this. And it just seems in the last probably 20 years, it just, when it rains, it just uh, sometimes it gets in a pattern and doesn't stop. And that's kind of what we're in right now. That was going to be my next question was how this season compares to your other growing seasons, do you feel like if you made a prediction right now, what would you characterize the early idea for yields looking like? Are you cut in half? Or is there still good potential to get 100% of average? What What does it look like or what's the feel there locally? Well, we're not so far off of normal. Uh, everybody sat around during the the wetter weather there and just prepared and prepared. And, and when it got dry enough, people just did it i mean you know it, farmers really can put in a lot of crop in a hurry and where the ground was fit we got it in and it's not you know really late so potential for what's in is probably still really good now we were able to, it was just getting dry enough over east on, on the wetter ground to get in there and get the the higher or the better ground planted and driving around a little bit this morning yeah, there's a lot of that that's underwater again. So <laughs> sometimes you got to be careful. You can almost try too hard. And uh, uh, that was probably the case over there. We maybe should have well, practiced a few more patients, but that's hard to do. You know, when it's time to go, you want to go. And so I would say on the better ground, yes, full potential. On the heavier, maybe lower ground, yeah, that's probably going to be cut probably close to half, I suppose. And Lanny, the other big question mark, of course, is how many acres will be taken for prevent plant this year? And May 25th was a key insurance state for uh, North Dakota and South Dakota, especially. How do you go about making that decision of whether to take prevent plant? I mean, at what point in the year do you say it's just too late? Well, a lot of us have been experienced at this and, and, uh, uh, some haven't, but if you've had experience on it, like I just said, if you, sometimes you try too hard and you go in there and you, you think, yeah, I I maybe took in some light tillage and, and made made the ground dry enough to get the planter over and, and yep, you feel good about it until you know, an event like happens over the weekend where we got two inches. Well, our soils are heavy enough here and there, there's no tile. There's no, not a lot of drainage. It's pretty flat here. Yeah, then that frustrates you because yep, you tried too hard and and it uh, kind of back to, back to ground ground zero again. I mean, yeah, you probably probably shouldn't have. But um, I myself, I just the neighbor stopped me on the road and asked how we were coming, and and uh, I told him or he asked what what we had in and and what we we didn't, and I just added it up, and we're probably going to have about twelve quarters of prevent plant this year ourselves. Wow. That's that's unfortunate. Now, in your neighborhood, it's always I always find it interesting to see how farmers and families and communities come together, because that's that's difficult on on the mental side of things. Just dealing with the potential uh, farmers, like you said, only get so many years to plant a crop. Are you noticing in your area kind of everybody rallying together to help support those that that might be like you said sitting out and having some acres set idle this year? Yeah, you know, like I said, I've been through it, especially 19 and 2009 were very wet years here. And once you uh, kind of hit that tipping point to where you just accept it, I mean, 
it's kind of like the government right now trying some programs to promote us to plant. Well, they can try all they want and have any kind of programs they want, but if there's water on it, you can't plant what you can't plant. I mean, it, it, does, right. it really doesn't matter if it's after the date or or not. I mean, it, it's just not plantable. And if you've been through it before, once you kind of hit that tipping point and accept it, it's like, yeah, well, I'm going to have some acres that I can't plant. Well, now a, a program that they did do that's going to help is we can plant some forage crops on that ground. If it does, you know, dry out, and, and some of it will, I mean, it, it surely will. Now we can plant some hay or, or some something to cut for silage or something on that land and not have to wait till November to harvest it. So there's some there's some things that are better this year and the government has did that, that are going to help. But some of those programs are <laughs> they're, they're, they're not applicable because it's mm-hmm. just not going to happen. And Lenny, you mentioned 2019 and 2009 as maybe some comparable years, but how would you compare, especially I think 2019 is so fresh in people's minds. How would you compare this year to 2019? Well, it was close. Uh, We were about one big rain away from being right there again, but it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as 19 uh, by any means. But as this kind of drags on now, I'm probably going to have about the same acres that I don't plant now as I did then. So, you know, every year's different. And this one, just the wetness came later and it's going to be real close to that now. And Lanny, final question for you. I know you're fairly, you've been fairly active on Twitter, sharing all of these different photos of what you're seeing rain-wise and what you're seeing in the fields, or as you call it, lakes in the fields. If folks want to follow along with you on Twitter and watch for your updates how can they find you oh it's pretty simple i I, when i started my account i i I just used my name Uh, i didn't come up with anything clever or anything like that so it's just at lanny melke at l-a-n-n-i-e-m-i-e-l-k-e and yeah i tried to put some photos on there now and then and and that's part of maybe helping the people that haven't been through it before is like yeah here, here it is we're we're all in it together Absolutely. We'll be sure to share some of what you're seeing there in South Dakota. But Lanny, certainly appreciate you joining us for today. And we hope that hopefully planting season picks up for you guys and gets a little bit better from here. Oh, well, I, I, I don't think it's going to. I, I think we kind of made the assumption driving around that our planting season is about over. But like I said, that's we've been through it. It's not bad. And we got, you know, probably two thirds of a good acres planted. So we'll, we'll be fine. Well, Delaney, that is not exactly how every farmer wants their spring to go, but it's good to hear that there is some perspective and some potential solutions in place if we can't get a crop planted. Absolutely, Tanner. And certainly our our hearts go out to those folks because that is not ideal news. No, it is not. But listeners, stay in tune with us. Follow us on our social media platforms. And we'll be back again tomorrow with more of the latest agricultural headlines. Delaney, for today, what do you say? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go.